and welcome to our fourth episode of the When They Cry podcast, uh, Umineko Book Club. Uh, I'm your host, Lorenzo. Hello, people with good taste. I'm back to the book club. I'm Des. Hi, this is Ava Therese. I'm the co-host of this episode and the editor. Hello, this is Mushroom. I'm just here to spirit out the most ridiculous things. Um, you can also call me Mush. And today in our backseat, we have Yensid, who's just here to listen to our recording <laughs> like a regular old podcast. So say hello to him. Uh, he won't say anything, but he's there in the corner, just breathing silently. Hello, <laughs> muted Yensid. So I'm just going to, you know, start out by asking everybody how their days are. It's been a couple of weeks since we last talked through the book club and it's probably be, been even longer since like Jess has been around mm-hmm. you guys doing all right cool yeah just been procrastinating on my uni work yeah i heard you started school recently right i did it <laughs> i just finished the second week of school uh this last Perfect. week i actually went to uni uh physically and it was not oh, fun wow. the trains are completely <laughs> filled with people and i do not like interacting with people in these hard times well, hopefully you didn't get sick. You have one more week to see if you fully yeah. inoculated the virus, but that's fine. <laughs> I hope you're okay. <laughs> I hope that's well. I mean, you can catch it twice. What? So... You... Yeah, people. there have been cases of people oh, getting no. it twice. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called oh. mutation. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty spooked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, we my uni um, had just went on code yellow and because my area just went on there like oh the second wave is happening and I was like and I'm just sitting here being like well what does it mean to have a second wave when our first wave didn't even finish yet that's like <laughs> it's a bigger wave I think it it's means like bad. a high rate God. yeah I think I think it means of the high rate infection like we, we so they're expecting more like the levels to increase to the way that they were um when the infection rate was getting really intense. It's mostly, I think, to indicate for, like, hospital preparedness, because now yeah. that we're going into more um, flu season time period, we're going to expect more people with compromised immune systems because they're recovering from flu, I think, is oh, the idea, yeah. I think. So get, get your flu yeah. shots if you haven't already, because, uh, yikes, <laughs> you don't want to be part of that second, well, one and a half plus second wave. That's like a Kingdom Hearts title, you know, like <laughs> COVID, uh-huh. COVID one and a half plus two. No, it has to be like 1.5 and then like a subtitle, <laughs> like, I don't know, the yellow alerting. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yellow alerting, like uh, infected animals plus, uh, what's what's COVID? Oh, I guess it's COVID-19. We you know, Funky like, Kong mode. Funky Kong mode. Yeah, because I heard like, I mean... I, I heard this, but I didn't actually read it. But, like, I heard COVID has been, you know, infecting non-human animals. And that's, like, the scariest thing Are ever. Because, you, you know, what? that that basically turns it into, like, a super virus. Because if it gets back into a person, they're like, oh, I don't know how to, like, read dog antigens. But it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's been a few cases of people infecting their pets. Like, I remember hearing about a case in the UK. They made a really big deal of it. Of, like, a woman managed to infect awesome. her cat. Well... <laughs> And stuff like that. So, but oh, like, God. but the thing is, is that those are probably in most cases at the moment, at least isolated individual mutations. Mm. Like, I don't think it's enough for us to become like, oh my God, all the cats, <laughs> burn them, you know? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty upsetting. Uh, I mean, it's it's just the way it is. The it world's is a fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a huge bummer. 
How about we, like, divert our attention and talk about fictional murder, you know? That sounds... Wait, wait, how about everyone else's day? How come I'm the only one who gets... Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) I mean, go ahead, let's go down the list. Avatrice, anything special happen to you? I'm just tired because I've just been no life in my way through Star Wars The Old Republic's Imperial Age of the Storyline. <laughs> oh, oh okay. <laughs> How? It's fun. Good. It is. It's it's easily, like, I mean, the, um, the Old Republic series is easily the best storyline for any of the Star Wars games. Honestly, anything Star Wars related in general, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've heard good things about The I... Old Republic, and I mean, I, I believe you. <laughs> Um, I guess it's my turn to talk about my <laughs> life thus far. Uh, I am so, so close to beating 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Aegis Rim? I don't know if you guys heard of it. I was talking about it earlier. It's like a vanillaware sci-fi adventure game about kaiju and mechas. Nah? No? Mm. It's... Yeah, I'm mm, not into mechas and kaiju as well, but my friend recommended to me recommended it to me, and like it's got this huge like sprawling mystery and like disjointed storytelling kind of thing going mm. on, and it's like okay. surprisingly really good. Like it went in a way that I was like, oh, I can see all these tropes like coming together like this. I used my umineko active reading <laughs> to like you know see what was actually going on, and I was like halfway right, but at the same time I'm like whoa, these characters are doing things that I, like, didn't expect. Or, like, there's one character storyline that, like, meshes into the other character storyline, like, in a way that's, like, really, like, wow. World building who? This game's doing it all. And the Mm -hmm. art's really cool. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard of Vanillaware or seen their games, but basically they have, like, this hand-painted-looking art style that looks really Hmm. good. It's basically, like... um. I don't know if you heard of Skullgirls, but that's also like a hand-drawn, hand-animated video game that uses uh, like really yeah. cartoony-looking sprites. Vanillaware does the same thing, but like all of their sprites and backgrounds, they look like masterpieces. It's really cool, hmm. but that's my gushing about my recent video game obsession, and hmm. I will be finished with it soon. Like I was contemplating staying up to like 4 a.m. beating it last night, but I was like... I gotta be responsible on the weekends, but anyways. <laughs> mm. uh, That's yeah. funny. Oh, they did, they did Odin Sphere. Oh, yes, yes. Right? So if you're familiar with Odin yeah, Sphere that. and its weird foot fetish artwork, yeah, that's kind of what they do. <laughs> the story in 13 Sentinels is good enough for you to ignore the fan service. I'll say that much. Like, it's pretty good. <laughs> and Dragon's Crown, too. Dragon's Crown also has weird foot fetish art but you know japan their culture you know i'm not gonna yuck their yum but you know mm. <laughs> that's so funny so much yeah oh my turn okay since uh everybody has been talking i guess besides this everybody has been talking about games i have two little things that i wanted sure. to mention uh, first thing is, um, I just two days ago I got the game um, Return to Obra oh, Dinn, yes, yes. and it is like really good if you're a huge Umi Neko fan or just like a huge mystery fan in general. I would like totally recommend you to get it. I feel like at this point when this episode finally gets out, it's gonna be the original <laughs> price again. Um, it was on sale when I got it, but. I would highly, um, highly advise anybody to get it for the price it is or wait for it to go on sale. But, like, it's super amazing. It gives a very, like, 
it's like a 1980s, like, not, sorry, not 1980s, what am I saying? Um, it's 1800, <laughs> and you're on a boat and trying to, like, solve 60 murders, <laughs> essentially, and figuring out, like, who's who, and, like, what's this body doing here, and why, why did this person get crushed by a <laughs> cannon, or that person get, like, stabbed in the back? And it has a, a very distinct art style. Um, like, it's the one that basically presents itself like a an, uh, an old movie, right? With just black and white. Yeah, it's like a really cool black and white style. It has like, and oh, and I just want to say like the music slaps. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the soundtrack is the person who made the music is a guy who also wrote uh, Paper, Please. And it's good. I That's something I would recommend first. And my second little thing I want to talk about is, so Des, you're going to rejoice of like huh? after okay. hearing this. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> so I have a friend um, on my hmm. other server hmm. who told me that who read Umineko, who like loved Umineko, and who currently just started to read Higurashi. Hmm. And since since this person is nice enough, so this person has been essentially updating me on like their journey through reading Higurashi. Yes. So like they I was like, hey, what's your expectations? What do you think so far? And I get to like finally pick up Pearson's <laughs> brain out while they're reading Higurashi, yes. like currently. And it's hilarious because they're just like they're not really a huge anime person, but they're pretty big like visual novel or like a mystery novel person. So they're like, why are all these like weird like sexy things about children? Like this is very uncomfortable. And I was like, oh god, I completely forgot. And he's like, how old are supposed to be these people? And he's like. Why being so horny to your 13-year-old friend and ask them to do shit like this? And I was like... And then meanwhile, I'm just like, damn, like, being an anime fan really requires you to, like, look past yeah. so many things. <laughs> and I was like, hey, just keep going on Higurashi. And then this is, quote, them. They wrote, Umineko is my favorite work of fiction of all time, so I'm really looking forward to something similar. I'm not sure if I, it has something stuff like the meta world or like a horror story that's a mystery, but I'm so very excited for the similarity or it shares this atmosphere. Amazing character, mystery writing. And then he's just like, uh, and then he's like, the part that I'm really confused about is the dating <laughs> aspect so far, but like, I guess this is just like the appeal. Like, he's like, it's just not my appeal. <laughs> and it's pretty funny. I just like, um, I mean, from future on, I probably will bring up on and off about this person's journey through it. They're almost, they just finished the part in Higurashi where, uh, in, e in like the first arc when, um, Keiji is suspicious and he okay. gets mad. Why, what, what's the thing I should rejoice about? The fact that they're giving a chance to Higurashi even though it has so much weird shit in it? <laughs> No, um, the report that you'd rejoice about is like now I get to have a life specimen oh. that I could just like uh, observe. Oh, and they can bring you over to <laughs> about, my side. Then, okay, uh, listeners. No, uh, in <laughs> case the, the episode in question hasn't gone out yet, uh, me and Mush uh, participated in an episode we recorded a week ago about the discussion of whether Higurashi or Umineko should come first, and that's why we're uh, having this talk what? right now. Or we, you, or you should read as a reader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've accepted it. Okay, anyway, we yeah, need to. For sure. well, let's get yeah. on to you. In, in the I argument mean. that you should read Umineko <laughs> first, because it has really cool, juicy murders, uh, mm. we're going to continue off of what we were talking about in the third episode. So, hey. 
we are about to begin to talk about uh, the aftermath of Ava and Hideyoshi's death. So, Ava, Hideyoshi's body is found by Cannon and Genji, and everybody shows up. George is, you know, crumpling down on the floor because everybody he's ever loved is dead, but, you know, that's what he deserves. Um, Sorry, I'm just uh getting flashbacks to the way they animated that. I'm just remembering how they animated that in the anime. Has has anyone else seen the Umineko anime? Yeah. I have not, but... Um, I've seen it back when it first came out, but yeah, I don't remember when much of it. George finds Eva's body in the anime, he rams his face into her chest and there is jiggle physics. Uh, <laughs> it's what? so inappropriate. <laughs> oh my god. Wait. <laughs> oh, whoa. Wait, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Also, like... Also, like, just for the viewers to, like, imagine this, if you haven't seen the anime, like, like, Eva is lying on a bed, she has a stake in the, like, middle of her head that's, like, staked through, and now George, the person he is, rams the bo- rams his head between the boobs. Of He's like, other. now's my chance! <laughs> like, crying his face off, and, like, yeah, it's just... It's it's ugly and it's gross because it's like, why? Why are you putting boob jiggle into this? Couldn't you have put your animation budget somewhere <laughs> else other than making this son jiggle his dead mother's breasts? They gotta Come put on. some fan service in there somewhere. Especially on a dead woman? Holy shit. Dean! <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, that happens... Jiggle physics, George ramming his head into his mom's chest, I guess, which is, that's cute and weird. Uh, and Battler's outside, he's like acting like, you know that one vine where that kid's like on the verge of tears? He's like, if you touch me again, I'm gonna rip your fucking face off, bitch. And then they're like, what'd he do to you? And he's like, because he fucking pushed me. <laughs> that's exactly how Battler sounds. He's like, next time I see that culprit, I'm gonna fucking rip his face off because he killed my whole family. <laughs> but... That's his state of mind at the moment. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, they're like, we got to, you know, stick together, make sure this culprit or whoever doesn't sneak up on us. But before they leave, they notice there's this really stinky burning smell. Canon and Kumasawa, they go and check the kitchen because Kumasawa's like, holy shit, did I also just like leave the stove burning? And now the house is about to burn down on top of all these murders. Um, that. Right. And then... They leave. The cousins talk about how Eva and Hideyoshi's murder has, like, the circumstances of a perfect locked room because it's not really feasible that anybody entered through the window and, you know, they're, like, deep inside their guest room. Yeah, and the door was locked with a chain. Like, they're just like, how did somebody just kill them? (laughs) Like, when the door was locked and somehow escaped at the same time. And... Mario comes up doing her Beatrice bullshit and Babbler slaps her a little bit and she's like uh, well there's this magic circle that allows the user to magically bypass any room that they're <laughs> locked in and they're and Babbler's like oh my god shut up your family's dying and this is all you can think about <laughs> yeah. so anyways um what is it the Canon and Kumasawa they are en route to the kitchen and they notice that the smell, the stinky burning smell is coming from the uh, boiler room. They hear a door close inside that leads to the courtyard 
And Tannen's like, I'm on it. I'm going to like avenge everybody who died, aka just Shannon, because I hate everybody else. Mm. Um, so he goes there. He screams. Um, what is it? No, sorry. He confronts these golden butterflies that appear before him. He runs with an axe and he gets totally pwned in the chest and he gets stabbed and he starts bleeding out. Kumasawa's like, oh, oh, oh my god, everybody come here quick. Uh, Cannon got, you know, pwned <laughs> in the chest. He got stabbed by this demon stake <clears throat> and everybody's just like, oh wow, he's still breathing. Let's get him to the servants' quarters and tend to his wounds while we can. Um, and in the meantime, battlers like going through that door that they thought closed into the courtyard to see if he can like catch the culprit, but he can't find anyone. So all he does is mope and they say at this point in the story, we can't do anything until when the seagulls cry, the crime will be solved. And I'm like, oh, oh there it is again. Drop. Yeah, they said it. Battler is doing his little hissy fit in the courtyard. <laughs> Everybody inside the boiler room pull out a charred corpse from the incinerator. That's where the stinky burning smell came from. And they're like, oh my god, they got Kinzo. He was gone this whole time and we thought it was him, maybe. But it wasn't because he's dead. And he's also charred to a crisp and has a stake in his forehead. <laughs> um, they're like, are you sure it's Kinzo? And they're like, yeah, we're sure. He has like an extra toe on his foot, that nasty bitch. Um uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he has six toes on each toe. Each yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They like make this little show. Like foot, polydactyly yeah. runs in the family. It's a mark of a good leader. But basically, they're like, this is for sure, Kinzo. And Mario p- pipes up about Beatrice, Beatrice. I mean, I mean, taking everyone to the Golden Land back on her bullshit, even though her like dead grandpa's like right in front of her. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, so, it's her, it's her way can't... of coping with it because she's just like, "Oh, come on, guys, don't be sad. We're, you know, she'll resurrect her soul afterwards in the Golden Land, so it's okay." I suppose, but <laughs> she's like doing this to a disturbing amount. Where oh, she's yeah. like, "Are it's, you?" Yeah. It's still creepy as fuck, but like, <laughs> oh, it, it yeah. makes sense for her to be constantly rambling on about it because to her, that's like that makes everything okay, and she totally just, she Imagine thinks everyone else should be okay. Everyone else should be okay and not sad because you know she'll, as she says to Jessica when they when they go to check on Cannon later on, it's like, don't worry, you'll see him again soon. Yeah, that's ominous. Yeah. It's just like, like everybody the, dies. The visual novel is, is. I remember when I first read episode one and also just rereading it for this episode one is so atmospheric that you really feel like you're there and like. Everyone's getting killed in in a very in very disturbing ways and impossible ways, and you don't know if you're gonna be the next one being killed. You don't know if your close family is gonna be the next to be killed or some random servant or not. You just don't know what's going on. You don't know if you're gonna get out of there alive. And then you just have this kid just acting this way. <sighs> you, I can't. Oh, yeah. oh my god, I didn't even know what to say. Like, imagine how Batra would have felt there, for example. Like, if you just say Batra hit Maria in the face, it's just like, oh, well, why would he do that? What the hell, Batra? Don't hit kids. But if you think about this from his perspective and everything that was going on, you're just like, okay, Maria, chill out a bit. Yeah, we're like, if we need to, like, use bait to catch the killer, we're using you because... <laughs> 
you know, you seem <laughs> totally on board with dying. So, <laughs> anyways, um, at this point, Cannon's already dead. Jessica's all messed up because she's like, "Oh my god, my secret one true love!" And Mario can't read the room, and she's like, "Ha ha ha! Cannon is in the Golden Land. Everybody's gonna be there soon." And everybody <laughs> agrees to hold themselves in a room to guard themselves against the killer. And the most likely or the safest room in the mansion, since the killer probably has a master key, is Kinzo's study. So they all hold themselves inside of there. Um, the killer does not have a master key. Don't you know that doesn't have the witch can, key, can yeah. pass through every pocket ever because of the magic circle, Lorenzo? Right. Well, no, that was the thing that they also bring up is that the door handles of Kinzo's study also have that little scorpion insignia or magic circle that uh, basically mimic Maria's uh, scorpion charm thingy that was supposed to ward against bad magic. So she's like, this is mm -hmm. the only safe place we can be because the witch can't get us. And everyone's like, sure, sure, whatever. So they're inside the study. They're looking around just like, you know, milling about. <clears throat> and Natsuhi reads the letter that was under... Ava and Hideyoshi's room and it basically just says hey guys it's Beatrice again and <laughs> I'm really close to killing all your asses I'm about to win this game <laughs> and that's what he asked Genji if Beatrice was like a real person right and he's like mm -hmm. yeah and she also may have had a kid I think maybe <laughs> and all the cousins are like oh so the rumors were true and that's what he's like uh, 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 shut up you know, we gotta respect Kinzo. I thought the words were specifically that he was his mistress. I don't think they bring up anything about a child from memory. No, uh, I think, it was I a think rumor. Genji says something like, I mean, she may have had a kid, you know, people do tend yeah. to have kids. Yeah, because uh, Jessica's like, yeah, you know, he's really supportive of this orphanage. It's like pretty sus and Natsuhi's like, hey, 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 shut up. He's a respectful <laughs> man with good taste. He's totally decent. He's like, you know the ideal gentleman there's nothing no wrong he can do right in this house Anyways. we respect Kinzo <laughs> right do not disrespect <laughs> him in this house <laughs> battler realizes that the uh all the killings thus far they basically follow the uh epitaph they're all described in the epitaph it's like a ritual killing and he's like oh my god we're all gonna die aren't we so as he's realizing that a letter magically appears on the study's table under everybody's noses, and Natsuhi's like, holy shit, one of you guys definitely put this in there. She tells everyone to line up against the wall, all the servants, and Maria. Yo, like, she just points yo, a gun at them. <laughs> that scene right? was so intense, and then System Zero yeah. starts playing, yeah. just like, like, believing oneself to be yeah, perfect that, that's and I'm like, and this sign of a devotional mind. Oh my fucking god, I love so, episode one. Right? I was just like, so yeah. ready for like, Maria to like, you know, do her bullshit and Ava, uh, Natsuhi's like, <laughs> she does it, she's like, <laughs> um, what is it? Natsuhi's like, you better watch your mouth, I'm gonna do it, and Maria's like, do it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so everybody, you can't pull the right. trigger. That's murder. I mean, right. I mean, what? Maria just doesn't care. That's the thing, because she thinks she genuinely thinks <laughs> that Beatrice can just bring her back to life. So mm -hmm. she's like that. Yeah, Maria's li truly living on the edge. Maria does not <laughs> right care. <or> die. <laughs> she's not having a good time. Yeah, she's like, shoot me, do it. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, so everybody who aren't 
Natsuhi and the older cousins are immediately suspicious about putting that envelope on the table. Because they were so Natsuhi understood. basically. Exactly. Right. Right. They they're the only possible people who could have done it. Right. Mm. So she's like, you know, either one or all of you are in cahoots with the killer. Get the hell out of here. So they kick them out of the room and Kumasawa's like, no, you can't. There's a killer out there. And everybody's like, well, you were the one who found Cannon's body. So you're also pretty suspicious. Mm-hmm. So they you basically kick them out. They, Yeah, they feel kind of bad about it. <laughs> but they're like, mm, was that the right thing? And they take out that envelope and start reading it. And they notice that not only does it say, I'm about to win, bitches. Signed, bait. Beatrice. There's a magic circle on it, which they realize it says it represents Discord, yeah. not the app. There's like a little <laughs> Discord logo on the letter. No, it basically they're like, oh my god, we fell for the witch's trap. Like, it's so the letter so Discord, and Discord happened. And at that moment, the phone rings and they're like, oh, who shit, the hell is this? The phones are down, Discord. right? Right? Like the... <laughs> <laughs> the call is coming is from the inside of the house right now. Right? Yeah, they're they're saying, how is this possible? The phone lines are down, and they hear Mari on the other side doing a creepy baby song on the other side. What was it? Do you guys remember, like, the song she was singing? It, it was, it like, was uh, some children's song that she learned in kindergarten or something. Yeah. I, I just remember hearing, like, the voiceover for it, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's creepy. I'm getting the uh, heebie-jeebies as one might say, mm. the academic term. <laughs> so everybody leaves their safe hole, like, their hideaway. Like, they just leave the study. They're like, okay, I kind of regret sending a nine-year-old out there with a potential killer. <laughs> so let's go find them. So they end up busting into the parlor, and they find, like, everybody dead except Maria. It's, like, one a really creepy CG where she's, like, mm. standing facing a corner her singing is basically playing all throughout the background music you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, right like Like, i I think before they enter the parlor the scene where they're just like getting in the zone to opening the door the pressure on that scene you're just like oh my god what are they gonna find on on, on the other side of the room and you just hear maria (laughs) oh my fucking just open the door already i cannot stand this Right, I was I was actually like feeling like chills when I was like reading this part. I mean, the writing was getting kind of verbose and like kind of killed the mood. But at that moment, I was like, "Oh my god, everybody's dead!" They <laughs> kind of describe it as like everybody's heads looked like what was it? Tomato pot stew wrapped in pie crust, torn apart. I was like, "Wow, that <laughs> that good, huh?" So Mario. That's an that's an image. Right? And Maria's just like standing there all covered in blood, still singing her song. And the cousins are like, yeah. Holy shit, Maria, what's wrong with you? Everybody's like dead and she's like, Ooh, Beatrice, you know? <laughs> or Beatrice. Ooh. Yeah, so I think the people who died in that room is Kumasawa, Nanjo, and yeah. Genji, yes, right? The three servants. Uh remaining servants. So they're all dead. They all have stakes in their like legs, knees and stomachs to represent the, yeah, so likely yeah the, the 6th, 7th, and 8th Twilight, and they're like, oh my god, it's true, everybody's going to die soon. And at that point, um, <clears throat> Maria's like, oh, Beatrice didn't get me because Battler gave me my scorpion charm back, which he lied about losing at one point, but he gave it back to her before mm-hmm. they kicked him out of the room because he felt kind of empathetic towards her. 
and she's like, Beatrice told me to look at this wall like an idiot. <laughs> and she notices Natsuhi's actually got, or everyone notices Natsuhi's gone, and Mario's like, oh yeah, she was reading another letter and kind of left the room. So it cuts to Natsuhi, who's in front of the uh, entrance hall portrait. She sees gold butterflies. She's like, okay, bitch, it's me and you. We're going to do a duel. Like, on the count of three, draw. And it cuts away from her. And at that point, I was like, oh, Natsuhi, my love. <laughs> she's she's uh, doing her best to protect the children. But the kids run up to her, uh, find her in the entrance hall with a bullet hole in their head. And Jessica's all kinds of messed up. She's like, mom, why'd you do this to yourself? Um, yeah, because yeah, gun, like, if you think about how funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a smoking gun. She had this duel with Beatrice, which they describe her actually encountering. Like, wow, there's an actual person in this story who's acting as the witch. <laughs> so Maria says, ah, the Golden Witch revival is complete. She runs to the figure run in the shadows who's described as the subject of the portrait so all the cousins see for themselves that there's this thing or person or figure they don't have a sprite or anything for it that's basically Beatrice reincarnated and the clock strikes midnight there's this whole spiel about how funky the midnight is in theory like oh it's a point in time where you know it's both the next day and the previous day at the same time Ooh, and they basically say uh, after the clock strikes midnight, the whole screen's filled with like a giant clock striking midnight, and they basically end the story saying, none shall be left alive, and then the credits roll. They say, the children's corpses were found, the events unfolded were only described in a message in the bottle, as mm. described as a notebook fragment, which I'm like, whoa, notebook fragment. Um, <laughs> the uh, letter in the bottle is authored by Maria Ushiramiya, Yes. Which basically described everything that happened that you just read. So they're like, oh, I might be alive or dead, which the latter is the case because they find a piece of her jaw somewhere, as yes. I say in the epilogue. And she ends her letter with, please find out the truth. That is my only wish. So basically this whole time it was a message in a bottle, like detailing this this murder mystery with a bunch of locked rooms and crazy shit. I know you're, by a you have to, for some to, reason. to yourself to try to get your head around what just happened and try to come to a conclusion whether there really was a witch or if there was someone with some kind of plan to get the gold or something. And right. the episode, the main episode ends. And I, the, the end credits go by so fast. C could any of you actually read all of the contents before it ended? It it was a uh, it was a race just to get it all read before it got off screen. At least for me. Yeah, some of them are. It's pretty quick to you know disappear from your sight. But I was able to like glean at least some more important bits because like you know they, what was it? They had a list of the cast and how they died, and I was like, oh, I already know all this. I don't need to like pay attention to that. But I was trying to like <laughs> focus on all the new information they were giving me, and then there was mm -hmm. a whole bunch of like. BS about the epitaph being fulfilled and everyone's soul is going to be revived, so don't be sad. Mm. Um, what is it? None of the 18 people could have solved the riddle, so none of the survivors basically lived when the seagulls cried. <laughs> and that was the end of it, of the main episode at least. So I was like, wow, that, that, was, that was a story. 
<laughs> what, yeah. what did you guys think when you got to that point? Well, first of all, I was like, oh my god, only Maria's jaw was found? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, and I was like, well, that's, that's hella weird. Like, how is it her jaw that's found? And, you know, if you're looking at the tips, if you're being an active reader, you'll notice that, like, not only is everybody's uh, killed character sprite kind of, like, marked off where they got killed, like, if they mm. got shot, um, stabbed in the head or, um, what was it, their faces were missing, all the cousins, their bodies are just, like, completely mm. red, and I'm like, whoa, oh. that good? Like, yeah. what the hell happens? And the description's like, oh, monsters tore them apart, mm. they came from hell and ate them up, and I'm like... Yeah. I'm a stupid, dumb baby. I'm going to believe this. So you'll notice, dear reader, that there's an epilogue labeled The Tea Party of Episode 1, which you can read. Um, it's It shows all the cousins, Canon and Shannon, in what they call Purgatorio. They talk about the mystery, and they argue about Beatrice's existence, and Battler's like, you know, this is kind of weird. Like, don't you think a human definitely could have killed everyone, even though he can't really explain it? He That's kind of his gut feeling and everybody's like no no just believe in Beatrice man like (laughs) she's gonna grant us all her wishes she brought all her love interests back and all our families together and happy again and um, he's like no it's definitely a person right (laughs) right and Maria's like (laughs) well look who's here and the woman of the hour Beatrice shows up she's got her beautiful right her like her like sprite shows up and i'm like finally like this is the person yeah. whose face is on the program icon <laughs> like this is what i've been waiting for she looks so majestic um, the first time she appears like right? when you're not used to and her you... sprite every time she's on screen you're like oh my god i'm i'm witnessing some divine revelation right now this person like the, the just the presence of this witch and the way she talks and all of this like oh my god beato and I hope you're listening. Uh, you have the voice acting on because her the, her voice actor mm-hmm. really sells it. It's amazing. She's just like has this haughty, grandiose kind of thing to her voice. She's like, "So, dear bachelor, you think you can challenge me and cackle, 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 deny my magic?" And she does her little witch laugh, whatever. And <laughs> she transports her. He um she transports battler to the the Grimes right sins. before Ava and Hideyoshi's death. And she's like, check out this magic. I'm going <clears> to <throat> look at uh, all of these murders. Summon a magic stake, right? I'm going to summon a magic demon stake to slip through the cracks and stab these two in the head. Have their little, yeah, have their little bouncing around stake sound effect. Just not like a meat stake, but, you know, <laughs> a demon <laughs> stake weapon thing, just like clanging around like a, like a, what is it? A rubber ball, ballistic, whatever. Anyways, they end up killing his uncle and aunt. Uh, the cousins are like, what was it? The cousins and servants, except Battler, they begin to melt, basically, in front of his face. He's like, yeah. I don't believe in witches, even if you have to, like, murder my cousins and melt their faces in front of me. And Jessica's saying, Battler, don't give up like we did. Defeat the witch and solve the mystery. Like, <laughs> like uh, what was it? Uh, you know, in your typical video game affair where the mm. 
the damsel in distress basically lists off a bunch of exposition. Just you gotta, you know, go to the water wake temple, up the crystals, and save me, right? Magic horse, <laughs> horseman of the apocalypse of the third moon of Jupiter. <clears throat> Exactly, and she's like melting at the same time. She's like, ah, Battler, solve the mystery! And Battler's like, ah, I'm gonna rip your fucking face off, bitch, let's fucking go! And (laughs) Beatrice is like, let's (laughs) right, let's start this witch's game, and that's the beginning of Umineko for you. (laughs) And the the, the party ends up with Batra and Beata screaming at each other. Credits roll. And and that's the end of the regular tea party. Yeah, yeah, it does this whole montage of all the cutscenes of the uh, pertaining to the mystery, and I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to dive into the seven other episodes of 15-hour-long yeah. content. <laughs> yeah, this is the welcome to Mineko part. Right. It's like when okay, you play so a game and going... then the title finally shows up. <laughs> when are playing what? Oh, go ahead. No, Sorry, what? what? No, no, I, I was asking you what you said. I didn't get that. Oh, yeah, it was like, um, you know, when you play a video game up to the point and you beat the prologue mm. and then the title shows mm. up like yeah. that, was, that was it. That 15 hour long, <laughs> yeah. like reading sesh was basically the lead up to the beginning of Umineko and yeah. you're in for the long haul, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thoughts and feels as I was trying to say some time before, um, the tip screen screwed me over because I I always look at the tip screen. I'm a, a very frequent visitor of the of the menu screen, and like, right? I I read Butter's description and it says, "Oh, the golden wine didn't work out before because this this dipshit Butter didn't believe in it." Like, <laughs> right? And, and I'm like, no, no, I'm clearly seeing the the golden wine here. <laughs> what you're talking about? So it. it the tip screen basically spoils what's going to happen on the tea party at the start of the tea party. And I was kind of like, okay, that's kind of a weird design decision. But sure, let's go with that. <laughs> oversight, I mean, oversight. I can't the fact that the story continues <laughs> really is kind it. of indicative that it doesn't just end up all going in the witch's favor, but fair enough. Uh, yeah, and now we get into the secret tea party. Yeah, there's more. Higurashi oh, <laughs> fans love this oh, yeah. party, I bet. Ah, oh, shit. I think I actually <laughs> overlooked that. So if anybody else wants to take the reins on describing what happened okay, in the secret party. Okay, I will then. I will then. Because as I'm Perfect, saying, my, my episode one knowledge is like, bro, I could get a PhD, a PhD just on the first episode, I'm telling you. Okay, so... Secretive party of the first episode. We've got Batra crying on this on the witch's smoking room. And then Beato receives a, a visitation from another witch. This witch is called Berencaster, the witch of miracles. Beato goes to the kitchen basically, not only to prepare tea, but also to start preparing the next game board and to bring it over to the witch's smoking room. And Baron Castell takes this opportunity to speak with our little MC, who's still crying like a baby. And she basically tells him, Hey, um, you're in for quite the ride, let me tell you. This is not gonna be easy. And I'm rooting for you, so behind the scenes, I'm gonna be helping you. I remember getting to the tea party and 
you if you have read Higurashi first, like you have seen the idea of tea party. It's just like a omake. Like it's like it's like oh, characters are getting together. They're just yeah. talking about what happens. It's this not episode. actually like, part it's of a the cute... story. It's like a bonus. Yeah, it's like it's not. Yeah, it's like not canon. Like it's just people talking. And then meanwhile, so like when I was reading Mineko, I was like, oh, they're in tea party right now. Like they're just yeah, talking about the matter. murder. Like wow. Like can't you believe that? Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. And then suddenly, like yeah. Beatrice shows up, and Beatrice is just like, and then Battler is like, you're not fucking real. Like you're like, wait, why is the story still going? This is like what the fuck right? is happening? What? <laughs> yeah, like. What? What's happening? And then you finish reading that part, and then you're like, wait, there's more for me to read? Like, I thought this was d- done. Yeah, like, so there's more? What? Just keeps unlocking more bits. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just more bits. So, continuing the secretive party, basically, Baron tells Batra that he has to find out about the rules, and after finding out the rules, then he can start worrying about how to defeat this switch and at this point everyone is like what what do you mean what eh? <laughs> okay uh, i guess uh, let's continue it, it just makes no fucking sense at that point oh totally like as a new reader you're like totally in the dark as to what happens um even for myself i read umineko first and i started reading the tea party i was like what's this weird everybody's alive characters talking about the story epilogue stuff going on and then this wild card Beatrice shows up and starts melting everybody and you jump into the mystery question mark question mark question mark uh was it secret tea party mm-hmm. and all the witches start talking about their own thing and i'm like i can't follow and i don't know if i can last through these <laughs> next seven episodes but yeah. go off i guess it's very confusing oh new readers if you have gotten finished ep1 and you feel like Wow, that was some fucking doozy. Really didn't understand what fucking was going on there. Like, don't worry. Like, uh, Umineko is very confusing for first timer, especially EP one is like, does just throws you in the deep end. Like, just keep going. If you have read EP one, you should just keep going at this point. Like, it's a story that does not disappoint, and it would really, uh, and the more you stay with it, like, the better it gets. So, like, yeah, just just you could do it. <laughs> I believe in you. If your reaction yes. is, yeah, what a... the fuck is going on, congratulations, you're going through the exact same experience everyone was mm-hmm. when uh, EP1 yeah, was exactly. came out. And congratulations, because you're like in the future relative to those people, you don't have to wait for months before the next part yeah, comes Yeah, you could just keep going. <laughs> so, yay! You can totally binge it for like 300 yeah, hours. Yeah, definitely. Go, go off, and... <laughs> go for it. <laughs> That's your choice. You don't. You're not held cap. You don't have to like sit here and just mull over like. Okay, what Twiddle your fingers for, for six months until translation comes out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to say something on on the lines of what Mush said, which is that I I really hate when pieces of fiction have this this character that tries to act like they're all knowledgeable and say something that you don't understand, but you're like, okay, I'm, that's the, I'm at the start of the story. This is probably going to be explained later on. And it's just never touched again. And it's just some random ass line that they made the character say just to make them look knowledgeable and like they're important. So like, Umineko isn't that kind of story, okay? Everything the characters say has a meaning behind it. So uh, you're feeling confused, but... Rest assured, everything's gonna be 
correctly explained. Yes, so if you have not read past, or if you have not finished Umineko, actually, please kindly... Uh, <laughs> Exit the theater on the left side. <laughs> no, um, peace the heck off. Yes, just please, please do not listen beyond now. This is your final warning. We are going to spoil the rest of the story for you, and while it won't necessarily ruin the whole experience, it kind of... Who, what kind of person does that? Who, like, reads the end and then tries to read the no, story? It definitely totally does spoil the experience. What you're talking about, Lorenzo? Yeah, yeah. I know people who <laughs> do that. Don't yeah. to him. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> I totally did that to Higurashi, so I'm, I'm doing a self-call-out. But yes, please, leave. If you haven't already, stop listening to us. We're going to talk about big boy stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> the adults are talking. Yeah, right? yeah. Five, four... That was your final call. <laughs> All right, cool. Spoil everything. Chatting in the cannon. Beatrice, that's them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and everything becomes suddenly, like, really stupidly, boringly easy to solve. Once you know that. And, like, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, now Joan, yeah, this is Aaron saying on it. They, put, they probably put the envelope there. It's just like, oh, man. Man, this is so easy to solve now. <sighs> exactly and they even like he basically sprinkled the answers within the text like oh it was definitely one of the servants who put the letter or in Maria. There. or like when i was reading through i was like i don't think canon's actually dead maybe but you know and i wasn't it didn't of cross my mind that nanja could actually like lie for canon i was like Oh, you know, Nanja said it. I'm going to listen to everything he says because he's the doctor yeah. and he has ultimate authority over what people say. Even though the story basically says, hey, yeah, like, Nanja could have been lying. The only, yeah. the only that, thing maybe. that throws a wrench in that a little bit is the fact that Jessica was there the whole time. But then you remember that Jessica's dumb as fuck. Well, so. not only that. Like, she oh, probably, yeah, right. probably listen to Nanja. Like, Nanja's like, nope, can't feel a pulse. But but I definitely seem to be feeling it. No, there is no pulse. They are dead. I am doctor. I mean, I think like... <laughs> Let us take the body away. I'm pretty sure like... Um, I don't even think that the cousin had that much time with Cannon's uh, body either like they were just like i think they showed up they saw cannon body on the ground they start running out immediately like and then they turn around and like found out about like the burning like the burning body which is like kingsville's body and at that point they were like so like disoriented and like not paying enough attention i don't even think they would have noticed this cannon body has moved or just gone or anything they were just like oh shit well they, they pick they pick okay. up and carry yeah. the body out as soon as, yeah, as, yeah, soon as they go in, they grab the body they and carry it out. But then Jessica apparently spends time with it afterwards and they see it. But it's quite entirely possible they could have swapped mm -hmm. it in the meantime, basically. Okay. So they probably took it yeah. out, swapped it with a double, and then Jessica's basically crying. How could she just, like, body. not unknow that's a fucking real button? That's so funny. <laughs> that's actually hilarious. Or maybe he's... <laughs> 
Maybe he's actually alive and he's just breathing with his eyes closed. And Jessica's like, oh my god, if only you could do this with your eyes open, I would have been so happy. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, definitely dead, a- puts like... <laughs> right. Yeah, this this you're seeing, like the the chest going up and down. Those are just spasms, like that's just the gas is leaving the body. <laughs> I I, <Yeah. laughs> I mean that's not even a lie. I feel like I feel like I love the fact that EP one is unsolvable due to like stupidity. Like like Jessica's too stupid to know what a dead body looks like, and then like George is like I'm a coward and I don't want to see my girlfriend's face blasted off. Well, I mean, if if you think about it, um, it's very likely, as, as some people say, that Hideyoshi and Eva might have been being paid off or something like that. At yeah, that point. oh, totally. Um, yes. And Hideyoshi's kind of the one that plants the yeah, idea definitely. for George I definitely... not to see it. Okay. Because he's like, oh, what was she like the last time you remember seeing her? It's probably yeah. best you don't see her now. Yes. I suppose. So, uh, you know. it's, yeah. Because that's the way I think it happened... Yeah. Is this time around, Sayo decided to obviously uh, work with Eva and Hideyoshi. And then, after the first Twilight, like, Eva was acting very, very recklessly. She was basically speaking like, very freely. She wasn't taking that much care into what she was saying. Uh, like, with the knowledge of, of all of the other episodes, you can clearly see that when we're reading. Like, when Eva starts speaking with Batra about the events, she's just not careful at all. So I can very clearly imagine Simon being like, okay, well then, you're dying next time. Next you're next. You gotta go. <laughs> I mean, totally. It'd be so risky to have your accomplices just live beyond more murders, because then they'll be like, holy shit, they're not stopping. We gotta, we gotta, like, get the hell out of here or, like, kill everyone else before we get killed, so... It's totally plausible that they were planned to get killed from yeah, the start. You know, exactly. use an accomplice and then get rid of them ASAP. Eva just trying to turn Batra. Because everyone who dies in the first session is it is someone whose death benefits Eva. Because it's like, okay, we kill all my siblings and the one mm-hmm. smart spouse. So it's basically just me, my husband, and Natsuhi in that generation, and I can see Yeah, Natsuhi doesn't mean Jack shit. And, and, <laughs> right. and we also get rid of Shannon, so my, my son can't bitch at me for not letting him marry her. <laughs> all oh, the people perfect, that right? she wants gone. So she, of course she'd say yes. And then Hideyoshi's like, well, I guess I got a cover from my wife. So yeah. <laughs> like, yes, yes, that's yes, like a yeah. perfect like Hideyoshi. Like I, I really think Hideyoshi is a great character, but like Hideyoshi's biggest downfall is just being the absolute like, like yes, dear, every single time. Like not he does anything. Like not not sorry. Uh, when Eva does anything, like Eva like could just like literally kick a puppy, and like Hideyoshi would be like, "Yep, she's right. Like she did that. That that puppy deserved it." <laughs> I mean, yeah, case in point, episode three, where, you know, he's <laughs> he's yes during the entire I mean, time. <laughs> until he doesn't, and then she kills him. She fucking does straight up murder. Yeah. That's the thing, like, I, I, I think that that's the thing. Like, I think there are circumstances where he'll be like, you're going too far. Like I said, I think it's a case of, like, if he'd necessarily been 100% knowledgeable about was what was happening before it happened, he would have tried to stop it, as we see in episode 3. But if it's covering hmm. her up after it's happened, he's willing to do that because it's like, 
Well, it's not uh, like I'm going to bring them Yeah, it's water on that bridge now. It's not covering for her. Like, those people are dead. So I might as well protect my wife. That's, that's totally. kind of how I imagine um, it going down in this head, at least. Because based on what we see in episode three, basically. For sure. So we have a couple words from our audience of one of, from Jensid. Yeah, Jensid's <laughs> just first a bit question. confused about Second Twilight and probably some other people listening to this, maybe. He basically just doesn't understand how the Second Twilight can be solved if the chains are arbitrarily powerful, like if they, the chains are there. So the way I solve this, maybe there's another way of solving this, is the the chains just okay? No, okay. Let me try to remember. Yeah. What I... So just before, oh God, uh, just so before, bad. I haven't reread that bit recently. Okay. So, so I'm just gonna like a refresh people's memory. So second Twilight is the moon. Hmm? <gasps> oh, I got it. Okay. No, go go ahead, Mushroom. I, I was just I just remembered okay. what I okay. wanted. Like, okay. 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 I'm just gonna yeah. explain like. <laughs> Okay, uh, just for people who don't exactly remember what they mean by Second Twilight, Second Twilight is the murder of Eva and Hideyoshi. Hideyoshi was in the bathtub, he was naked, he had a stake on his head, and, um, is it his head, right? Okay, he had yeah. a stake on his, his forehead, yes. yes. So, stake on his head, Hideyoshi, With naked. With a stake of hell on his forehead. <laughs> yes, his big L. Well, the murders keep happening. No. The keep happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Hideyoshi, no. naked in bathtub, uh, water still running. Um, he has a stake on his forehead. And then um, Eva, who is also... Eva is in the other room, which is like in the bedroom, lying on the bed. Uh, she also has a stake on her forehead. And the idea is that um, the room was locked before... Uh, Kumasawa and Kanon showed up, and there was a latch on it. Yeah. Right? Correct? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yes. I remember that much. And Kanon's outside yes. of the room, so... Yes, and and there's also a, a magic symbol on the door, once they come back. Because Kumasawa and Kanon weave, and when they come back, there's a magic circle on the door. Okay. And basically I mean, the that, way to that's solve this not... is... That important to be fair. Okay, so that's what were you gonna say? I mean, it's 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 one more thing Ryukishi can play with to confuse people, you know? Yeah, but it's not it's not like that's important to working out what's actually going on. It's just it means someone had to put yeah. it there, but if Cannon's already on the outside anyway, then they could have done okay. that, basically. I mean, no, it does I, I'd argue it does matter because you need time to set it up. You need to be alone or with an accomplice. It's not Something like just putting yeah, but if we a already, on top but, of a Sorry, I, just to be clear, I think it's reasonable to assume that, like, because we already kind of accept, you know, based on what we know, that the servants are accomplices and Canon is, you know, the culprit, effectively. So, okay. therefore, so, they would have had to... What do you think, up, like, that's what we're going to say. What do you think happened there? Like, how would you solve that? Close round. Okay, so basically, Kumasawa and I don't have my notes here, so I may be missing on some details. But basically, Kumasawa and Kanon went in there. Um, uh, knocked on the door. They no no, they they don't need to knock on the door. They just uh, open the door with the master key because the the door wouldn't be 
chained. And the reason the door wouldn't be chained is because they're accomplices. They don't need to fear being killed, right? So you just get into the room, kill both of them, put the stakes in place, get out. And then when the group arrives, they conveniently find the room, the door of the room open and the chain cut. Like they had time to, to set it up. They like just cut the chain before everyone arrives. And then they just conveniently find them inside of the room. And the story is, oh, we like the door was locked and chained. So we had to go pick up the chain cutters to cut the chain. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that. That was what I thought. Like, I think like the idea is that like they, they just fucking wazed in, killed both of them and then like made a fake like closed room. Like they were just flat out lying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. It, it wasn't in red, so <laughs> they could have like anything. Like all of episode one isn't in red, so I mean, I'm pretty sure that honestly, some red anything could have happened. <laughs> I, I mean, you don't have the red, but I you have so. you have the battle between Will and Claire to go on with. Like that's some pretty big tips. For example, uh, I think that one about the chain. He said illusion something to like illusion. Yes, to that's, that's a very yeah. The chain, I don't know what. Yeah, that's an illusion to illusion. Yeah, and like yeah, I think it's pretty impressive because like if you think about EP one in a way of like knowing what actually happens later or like know what the idea of like what's the magic shit happening and what is like what's real like you could really just think about like oh all of these people are just flat out lying like what I actually don't know is that like. I don't actually kind of understand 7th and 8th Twilight, like, the one where, um, does, like, so, does Kanan just, like, waz into the room, shoots Genji, Nanjo, Kumasawa in the face, and then, like, and then it was just like, hey, Maria, just stand here, like, put your ears up. Like, that's literally what happened. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, <laughs> that uh, do, we, do we get confirmation that they're actually dead? I'm trying to remember. Um... That they're actually dead? Yeah. Because they could have been faking it. Uh, uh, I don't think they... I'm trying to remember. Mess. I don't remember. <laughs> I think... Yeah, like, they Their don't heads have were blasted okay, off. Okay, um, um... So, I... Well, again, yeah. then isn't it possible Nox they... Nox number, I don't know what. Uh, it, it isn't possible. Oh, like a double? Because Butter is acting as the detective. And he was... He clearly looked at the corpses, so he can't... Look at the corpses and them not. And their faces dead. are clearly visible. No, their faces are di- like I think their faces are like gone. Like that's the whole point of them. Yeah, if their faces are gone, then he's not confirming their identities, so they could be fake. Okay, isn't there also a Knox rule about the impossibility of fake corpses? There can't be a a murder without a corpse. Well, there's a lot of corpses. <laughs> yeah, but but that, that reasoning, there can't be a Shannon corpse. Yes, they there. Can't, yes, it. Fuck. Okay, grammar. Don't I mean, me I think. Yes, it. Because, because Batra doesn't see her. Batra just the, the information that Shannon is there. It's 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 you through other people. That. Okay, fair. I can't yeah. remember the specifics of that bit because I didn't read yeah. that recently. It's it's tricky so. because on the visual novel you have a CG of Shannon dead, so you're like, oh, you, yeah, Batra is. Well, only Shannon in the PS3 like version. In the original version, you don't get that. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yeah. In the original version, it doesn't have any of the special. Yeah, CGs. but the special CGs are so pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but um. So yeah, I think like that's something super interesting about the whole like. 
Shannon canon thing because like I love the idea of just like uh in the end of EP one like there's just like one shadowly person in front of like the gigantic portraits like they're wearing like the Beatrice yeah. dress and like and like the three cousins just turn over mm-hmm. turn around and it's just like Shannon slash canon in a dress and it's like hi <laughs> like that is so like, perfect the- like they like. Like, I feel like, like, I feel like at that moment, like, Sayo looks at them and then just gets, like, the joy out of watching the pure shock on their faces, and this whole place just blows up. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, rereading I mean, that when scene, I first read it, knowing I was what like... happens, is just so, it's not even sad, it's just completely devastating. You're right. Yeah, it's about to blow up. Fuck. I can't imagine myself being there. The ground starts shaking, everything starts falling off, and, and in in the next moment we're just all fucking dead. Like, oh my fucking god. Yeah. Ooh. Um it's so Sorry. good. Wait, wait, can we I I wanted to ask um I wanted to ask both like uh Lorenzo and um like Evatress, like when you guys were reading this, like did you guys think like like what did you think the point of Umineko is? Like, because, like, when I was reading Umineko, I was like, oh, like, it's, like, that kind of story. I read Higurashi already. Like, I, it's the story where he has to, like, figure out how to get home or, like, figure out how to keep his, like, family alive. (laughs) Or, like, maybe he just defeats the witch and then he wins and then he gets to live happily ever after. And then that's what my, like, oh, how dumb I could be. No, I was totally on dumb bitch mode when I was reading episode one. Honestly, up until like maybe even episode five or six, I was still kind of caught up with the whole magic aspect. Because if you thought episode one was hard, episode two throws in, you know, magic and witches. And you're just like, I can't even keep track of like what's yeah. even going on in the story because yeah. of all that. And I think the first magic slash red herring thing that they throw out there is the epitaph. And I'm like, okay, ritual killings. There's gold i think and i personally didn't think the motive was the gold i just thought this is crazy killer on the loose and there may or may not be a 19th person i was in the 19th person camp for this for most of it um most of even up until like episode six it's just like they straight up totally an extra person of a 19th person in the second one yeah they did but i was like <laughs> deny hmm, in red 19th I was like, I was, no, I was, like I told you, I was on dumb bitch mode the whole time. And I was like, 19th person, what if it meant 19th personality? And I was like, nah, I can't be that. It has to be someone else. (laughs) Uh, I was, but that was basically me believing in the epitaph, believing in an actual witch, actual magic happening, falling for all the tricks. (laughs) What else, what else do you guys think? Like, um, like... Uh, while reading through EP1, do anybody have any ex- uh, lovely memories of EP1 that they want to share? I remember reading through the whole thing, and I mean, I will be completely honest with you. I don't think <laughs> it might have been the translation. It might be, you know, just how Japanese works, but the writing was really, I don't know. It went on and on, and I was like, wow, it's really killing the mood for a lot of points. And I don't think people read this for the writing, but... <laughs> To each their own. I was, like, talking to a friend the whole time I was reading this, and I was like, is it going to get good? Is it going to get good? Is it going to get good? But eventually the murders happened, the ending happened, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, 
I'm still in the dark. I need to figure out what happens. I'll, There's like, this power fundamental it. <laughs> issue with the fact that they're having to introduce 18 characters and they're having to give you a bit of insight into each and every single one of them so you can understand their role and their relationship to other characters because that's important. Right? But it's a bit of a struggle to get through because you're not getting any payoff in any of that stuff for a while. Um, so the, the opening exactly. is pretty dry. <laughs> but like it has some very nice characterful moments peppered in there. But like I, I I always found found it a bit of a slog to get through. Like even rereading it, like it's it's like okay, get through this bit and yeah. there we go. <laughs> I, I guess I'm totally. I could have done again, with then. a lot more edits. I I actually the, that part of Mineko about it basically describing everything that happens during the day, even how many minutes the characters sat on the toilet, like, that's, I, I love that part of Omineko, I love reading about every little thing these characters do, even on the first episode, I just really like that aspect, but, uh, I, as always, I'm oh, in totally. the minority. <laughs> no, that's fair, I mean, like, to be honest, when I started reading Higurashi, I already knew to anticipate this kind of really long, drawn-out kind of thing, and I was, like, totally fine with it, like... <laughs> All the build-up and exposition and extra details they give you in the first episode, mm -hmm. it's kind of just acknowledged throughout the rest of the subsequent episodes and makes uh, reading episodes two through eight more streamlined, you know? Exactly. So I guess it was necessary. Yeah, it's laying the foundation so much to an extent. One. <laughs> it's just, it's laying, it's, it's yes, establishing yeah. the characters, it's, it's laying the foundations. It's just, unless you know there's going to be payoff for it, I know it can be a struggle for some people to get through because that's the that's the main thing I've gotten from like I have had a few cases where I've been because obviously episode one is available for free. Um, I've been able mm -hmm. to persuade people to download it, and they never got past the opening it's bit so long. because they just found it too dry and it takes yeah. so long. And they're like, I oh, do not yes. have the time for this. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, but if you got past that bit, you'd probably like be really into it, and it would feel like. The time is worth investing, but getting past that initial segment, whilst the payoff for it is absolutely great, and you can see all these little bits afterwards, um, it, it is a bit dry to get through, because it, it just feels like, okay, this is just like a bunch of, a lot of characters that I'm having to get to know, and... I don't know which ones are going to be relevant. Now, obviously, as it turns out, they're all relevant. But, you know, a lot of except the time, there are just, except, when there's yeah, that except, many characters, you can... Except well, Goda, even right? Even then, like, Goda's <laughs> position within the mystery situation is still significant. Yes. Yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. the thing. Like, they all have a role to play. And But the thing is, is, in so many of these mystery novels, because the fact that most mystery novels don't have a retelling with different versions and things like that there's usually kind of like at least a few characters that it doesn't matter what what their deal is they're just filler effectively like they're just they're there mm. to die effectively and 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 uh goda is the closest thing you have to that but even goda has more depth <laughs> going on than a lot of those sorts of characters typically do and certainly all the family members who are the people who take the majority of the screen time up have their relationships and how they relate uh, interact with one another is extremely important throughout the story yeah um so yeah you said something very interesting there that i 
I'd never thought about, which is that characters in mystery novels, usually they aren't characters. They are basically plot devices that exist mm -hmm. either to provide alibis or to make a, a murder harder to understand or to provide red herrings. It's it's always something like that. They're all this kind of work like plot devices instead of characters. Mm -hmm. Which and is exactly how the extra them. mile. Yeah. And that's how yeah. Erica treats them. That's how Erica treats yeah. everyone because that's the perspective she's occupying of a traditional detective mm -hmm. position because she's the only character that's really a character. You know, people don't go to read Sherlock Holmes or Hercule Poirot stories or, you know, they don't go to read those, you know, based on the the characters that are getting killed, mm -hmm. they read those for the detective. Yeah, like, in a way, like, um, mm -hmm. Umineko has a lot to do with the discourse of the idea of, like, who's the most important story in the mystery? And, in like, and usually in the kind of, like, um, like mass media um, shows that we watch or, like, TV shows or, like, novels we read, like, the detective and their assistant is the most important characters. Like, no matter what kind of crime drama you're watching or, like, Sherlock Holmes, like, but the idea is that, like, you're here to read about mm -hmm. the, you're here to read about the detective and that's it. Like, and, like, whoever dies this week is whoever dies. But, like, in Umineko, it really drills down the idea that, like, oh, you're meeting, like, these people on this island, and it doesn't matter if, like, they, they're good people or not, or what, like, or if they're gonna die or not, like, all of them matter, like, in their own way, like, that's why EP5 cuts so mm -hmm. deep, because, like, at that point, you feel so bad for Natsuki, and you, like, really wish that she doesn't get, like, completely shit on by this, like, a complete asshole of a character which is like erica and you just like and like you know like she's lying and so, so on and so forth this is ep sorry ep5 spoilers but it's like you really just like and you just like feel so awful because like at that point you're like what you're feeling is that like it doesn't necessarily matter that much that you the truth right now like to you the emotional truth is like you don't want nazi to suffer <laughs> oh for sure i mean like I was in the camp of, I don't want to blame anybody. There has to be a 19th person, right? Because, like, I was low-key yeah. attached to everyone, except Goda and George. But, like, they really, or Ryukishi really got me in Battler not wanting to blame any of his friends or family. Just, like, I was in the same boat as that. I was like, it can't be any of those people. I just have to figure out if there's, like, this hidden person who's somehow, like, going around killing people. Because... I'm too attached. Even though they say straight up in the second half, you said that that can't be happening. They did! Again, <laughs> dumb bitch mode. <laughs> well, I was on the opposite side then, so now we can see two sides of the impact of Erika in episode 5, because I've always been in the position of, okay, um, let's start accusing people and start seeing how characters can have done this without the existence of a 19th person. And, but... I wasn't detached by Erika, right? I was getting to know these characters and getting attached to them. So by the time we get to episode five, I'm, I, I'm attached to these characters. I feel things for these characters, and Erika walks in and starts looking at this story very objectively and treating these characters like I'm treating them, and and you are just like, oh, I. I, I guess I do care about these characters, but I'm honestly looking at them the same way this, this ruthless bitch is treating them right now. 
Yeah, I remember when EP5 came out, the, the fandom was just in uproar because they were kind of like, did he just, oh, did yeah. he just like friendly. call us out yeah. on treating his characters this way? Like, ow. Nuri <laughs> Kishi is not subtle in the way how he just wants to call out everybody. Like, no. he does not care. Yeah. And like, and I think like, there's something very uh, cute about it. Like, just like how EP5 talks about how a mystery is just a date between two, like, it's like, it's a courting process, like, it's a date, it's about flirting, mm. like, it's about bearing your heart out, and, like, the idea of, like, Ryukishi is, like, constantly flirting with the audience of the idea of, like, oh, like, he's calling you out, like, he's thinking you're a bitch, and, like, like do you want to keep reading, like, is that how desperate you are? And, like, I think that's hilarious, like, Ryukishi really put it... Uh, it's also it's also such a it's so characterful for for uh, frankly the way Beatrice is behaving as well. It's a massive hint, right? Yeah, as to the motivations as to mm-hmm. why the message bottles got sent things because like that. that's the thing that really threw me in the loop. It's just like why did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> which obviously we clearly understand why, but it's like kind of like. Maria did not have time to write that, surely. Yeah, and Mario <laughs> so of like, all people. Right. Yeah, so I was just like, how did that... how? <laughs> oh, speaking of which, the status of the cousins on the tips, you know, when their bodies are, like, exploded, I was like, huh, that's weird. It must have been magic, right? But Yeah, like, their body just turned into It was into totally bits, their bodies just exploding, just like, if Mar- Mario's job being discovered wasn't enough evidence. Yeah, I was just like, hmm, I wonder what that's about. But, you know, I couldn't think at the time. And I'm sure any anyone who's, like, really sharp and reading along, they were just like, anybody who's, like, sharp about it just, like, is aware that I they felt, probably all exploded. I felt so There's, like, stupid when, t- uh, when episode oh, 4 came oh. around. Because I was just kind of like, how did that work if the mansion didn't explode? Because, of course, it doesn't mention the mansion status at all. So my brain just automatically assumed yeah, it was she fun, doesn't... And then it's like, the mansion blew up. And I'm just like... I mean, I, uh, EP... <laughs> I shouldn't have made any Yeah, I was like, why isn't Angie visiting the... Why isn't Angie visiting the mansion, right? Like, yeah, she just like, went to a different part of the island, yeah, like, I, I guess. Re- I realized in episode four what was going... Like, that that was what happened, because she's not going to the mansion, so it's like, okay, I guess that's what happened. Uh, but... So I, I was able to work it out eventually, but the fact that it took me until episode four to even consider it was kind of embarrassing for me. Cause, cause I'm, I'm no, pretty I totally good get usually it. at pointing out logic stuff like that. Generally, I mean that goes, just goes to show how good he was at hiding the whole mystery of the cat box. Because even in like the little epilogue scrolling thing, um, they just vaguely mentioned that oh, there's a mystery that really can't be solved because because um, mm. of circumstances, right? And it only makes sense in context when you know the, all the evidence was basically blown to bits and you're like, oh, yeah. so they really, really couldn't figure anything out except for maybe... Bits were that, all those crime scenes they so carefully yeah. tried to preserve. <laughs> right? It's gone. just gone. Can you imagine just like... Yeah. 
I that's think, the perfect crime right there. I think there, there's but, something. That's you know, what I mean by, like, I was such a dumb bitch while reading EP1, and I was thinking, like, oh, like, this is gonna be, like, beat the witch, <laughs> like, kind of story, like, fight for a good ending. So, like, I think when I got to EP4, and then EP4 just opens, like, EP4 literally opens with, like, oh, like, now we're in 1998, um, 19, mm-hmm. uh, ni- like, 1985 happened, the mansion was blew up, uh, there's nothing there. And then you're like, oh, wait, what? Like, <laughs> like they're like like it's like the type of story when you're like reading a book or reading a like a manga and then the next page you flip over it's like five years later and you're like wait what happened <laughs> yeah mm. and like i don't know i think that's like super I, it's just so shocking and you're and then at that moment when you realize like what they're talking about like what does it mean to that maria only has a jaw left and you're like oh like what happened with maria's jaw like how how did like that was the only thing like i was trying to think like maybe like maria had like a peaceful death like maybe or maybe not like in the or in the let's say prime or whatever like that her head was cradled somehow or something like how did her jaw was the only thing that was left that's crazy well i mean that could have happened to her body after she died right you can't determine the time of death a jaw just yeah explode exactly. jaw. Like, the only reason why they knew it was her was That's because of dental exactly. records. So... So I, I always just assumed that she probably had, like, a relatively peaceful death because that's kind of Saya's MO with Maria, right? So that everything got blown up, yeah. so... Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much everything I have to really say personally. Um, yeah, Lorenzo, do you have anything else? Um, sea cats, do crimes, please... Tune in for the next episode when we delve into episode two. Uh, yeah, more characters to Because that's when the introduced. shit starts hitting the fan. <laughs> um, well, I guess uh, I'm Mushroom and I'm signing off. Just I'm just going to say my name so people have an idea who, we're, who you're talking to and not be too confused when you look at the sprites. And a reminder, this is Ibatrice, so... Seacaps <laughs> uh, do crimes. Disconnect, disconnected. And speaking on the behalf of Yensid. Hi, Yensid. In the audience, thanks for being our first listener to this episode. <laughs> you got the behind-the-scenes look before I edit um, it to shreds because I do a lot. I do a lot of editing. <laughs> right. I feel like I do a lot. Quite like I, I cut out so much. I feel kind no, of no, don't be. No, it's fine. I mean, we're we're blessed to have such a, a meticulous editor, especially since this is like an hour and a half long already, and there's like a bunch of bits that need to be short. Yeah, that's the best part of kind of. Like Star Wars <laughs> that's the best kind of editing. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Nice to be on the podcast. Let the force be with yeah, you. Keep that in. <laughs>